0: Good morning. Have you ever had one of those in-depth physicals? One of those physicals where they check you out inside and out? Have you ever had one of those? The purpose of a physical is to check your physical health. To see whether you are physically healthy or not. And for the last seven weeks, we have been giving ourselves a spiritual physical. We've been given ourselves a spiritual self-examination. Paul said it this way. He said, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you realize that Christ Jesus is in you unless, of course, you fail the test? And so Paul tells us that each and every one of us need to examine ourselves. We need to test ourselves to see whether we are really in the faith or not. And the purpose of the book of First John is to help us give ourselves that test. Because as we read First John, we discover some spiritual vital signs that help us know whether we are born again, whether we belong to God's family or not, whether we are spiritually alive or spiritually dead. John said it this way in, in chapter 5, verse 13. He said, these things have I written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. Now, the, these things that John talks about are those spiritual vital signs that prove, that give evidence that we are a child of God. And the way that we discover whether these vital signs are found in us or not is by asking some very simple questions. Now, before we tackle the very last question this morning, I want us to review because because each of these vital signs are important to discover our spiritual health, to discover whether we are alive in Christ or dead in Christ to Christ. Now the first question is this, am I aware of my sin? Have I confessed my sins to God? John said this, he said, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we Make him out to be a liar and the truth is not in us. You see, if I am spiritually alive, I have been convicted of my sin, I have confessed my sins, and I have sought cleansing from my sin. And so the first question is, have you done that? Have you been convicted of sin? Have you confessed that sin? Have you sought cleansing? Now the second question is, am I living for the Lord? Am I seeking to obey his commands in 1 john 2 john says we know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands the man who says i know him but does not do what he commands is a liar and the truth is not in him and so john says that if i am spiritually alive i am seeking to obey god i am seeking to live by his standard and god's standard Is the Word of God the Bible? And so if I am a child of God, if I'm part of His family, then I'm going to seek to live my life patterned by what God says in His Word. Now the third question is this, am I forsaking the world? John said it this way, he said, Do not love the world or or anything in the world. If you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. And so the question is, have I changed masters? Has my love for the Lord replaced my love for the world? Because if I am a child of God, I love the Lord much more than I love the world. As a matter of fact, I can no longer love the world. Now, the fourth vital sign is discovered when I answer this question. Am I experiencing victory over sin on a regular basis? Am I seeking to live A righteous life. John said no one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Now John is very emphatic here. He says that a Christian will not continue to live in sin. Now we've said over and over that this doesn't mean that a Christian is sinless. But it does mean that a Christian will sin less. A Christian longs to be free from sin. A Christian doesn't desire to be a slave to sin any longer. Now the question we answered last week was this, am I loving other people? John said it this way, everyone who loves has been born of God, knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Now, the love that he is talking about here is is a supernatural love. It comes from the very heart of God and is planted in our lives when we become children of God. And so the question is, do I have a supernatural love for other people? Not, Not a feeling, not an emotion, but is my life showing that I care for other people by how I treat them by what I do for them? Now, the final question we ask, the final vital sign, really, I believe, determines all the rest. And what I mean by that is this. If this final vital sign is evident in my life, then all of these other vital signs will be evident in my life. And this is the question we need to ask and determine the final vital sign. Is the Spirit of God living in me? If I am a child of God, if I'm spiritually alive, the Spirit of God is living in me. Now, if you haven't already, I want you to turn with me to 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3, verse 24. And we're going to read a passage of Scripture beginning in verse 24. And let me just say something to you as you're turning there. You need to understand as you're reading through the Bible and studying the Bible that the chapters in the Bible were not in the original Hebrew and original Greek. And so as as the Old Testament people read the prophets, they were not divided into chapters. All too often, as we're reading the Bible, we think that a thought stops at the end of a chapter. And sometimes it does. But oftentimes it doesn't. And and that is the case for what we're going to read today. Because John starts a thought in the last verse of chapter 3. But he continues that thought as we read into chapter 4. So stand with me in honor of God's word as we begin to read in 1 John chapter 3 verse 24. Listen to what it says. Those who obey His commands live in Him and He in them. And this is how we know that He lives in us. We know it by the Spirit He gave us. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world and the world listens to them. In other words, the world listens to the spirits that are a part of this world. We are from God and whoever knows God listens to us, but whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and His love is made complete in us. We know that we live in Him and He in us because He has given us His Spirit. Now notice, this passage of Scripture is sandwiched by that phrase that is repeated twice. We know that He is in us and we are in Him this way, by the Spirit That he gives us. Let's pray together. Father God. I pray this morning that your spirit. Will speak to us. And father if we are your children. If we have been transformed by your spirit. Indwelling us. Inhabiting us. I pray that that will be evident to us this morning. At the same time father I pray. That if your spirit is not in us that we will recognize that clearly today. And Father, we will have the desire for your Spirit to come, inhabit us, and take control of us. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And let's be seated. Now, the key truth that John is teaching in this passage is this. God's Spirit living in us is evidence that we're spiritually alive. God's spirit living in us is evidence that we are spiritual alive. The Bible teaches that we cannot enter the kingdom of God without being born of the spirit. Jesus said it this way. He said, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh but spirit gives birth to spirit Uh, do not be surprised when I say you must be born again so Jesus said if I want to be a part of God's kingdom I have to be born of God's spirit Paul said we do not belong to Christ without his spirit in other words I'm not a part of God's family Christ's family unless God's spirit is living in me in Romans chapter 8 verses 9 and 16 Paul says this, if anyone does not have the Spirit of God, he does not belong to Christ. If God's Spirit is not in me, I do not belong to Christ. And then in verse 16, he says, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. In other words, when God's Spirit lives in us, God's Spirit will communicate with our spirit, that we are God's children and we belong to Him. You see, the Bible makes it crystal clear that if we do not have the Spirit of God living in our lives, we are not a part of His family. But the question is, how can we know? How can we know if God's Spirit is living in us? Do we know God's Spirit is living in us because of a a certain emotional feeling that we've had? Do we know that God's Spirit is living in us because we've had an ecstatic experience? How do we know that God's Spirit is living in us? Here's what I've discovered. Many people are confused when it comes to the Holy Spirit's work in our lives today. And there are a lot of churches that are teaching a variety of things, some correct, some not so correct. You see, the Bible teaches that the Holy Spirit performs a number of ministries in our lives. But there are several that give evidence to the fact that we are a child of God. So how do we know God's Spirit is living in us? Well, John gives us four things that will give evidence of the fact that God's Spirit is in us. And the first thing is this. When God's Spirit is in us, He convicts us of our sins. If God's Spirit is in us, God's Spirit is going to convict us of sins. Jesus said it this way. He said when the, He comes, that is the Holy Spirit, He will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and of righteousness and of judgment. He will convict the world in regard to sin, righteousness, and judgment. Now, John dealt with this earlier in 1 John chapter 1 when he said, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. You see, when God's Spirit is at work in our lives, we will know that we are sinners. The word convict literally means to convince. And the Holy Spirit is the only one who can convince us that we are sinners through and through. I can't convince you that you're a sinner in need of a Savior. Some preacher on TV can't convince you that you are a sinner in need of a Savior. Your friends can't convince you. The only one who can convince you of that is the Holy Spirit of God. Paul said it this way when it comes to sin. He said, there is no one righteous Not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away and together they have become worthless. There is no one who does good. Not even one. There is no fear of God before their eyes. You see what John is saying is that every part of our life has been corrupted by sin. We are corrupted through and through when it comes to sin when it comes to sin. That doesn't mean that everything that we do is sinful. But what it does mean is every part of my life has been tainted, has been infected, has been corrupted by sin. Not all of us Every one of us in this room will occasionally admit that we've done stupid things, we've made mistakes, we've had lapses in judgment, but that's different than the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. When Peter preached at Pentecost, the Bible says that the people were cut to their heart. They realized that it was their sin that nailed Jesus to a cross. And more than anything else, They wanted their sins dealt with. And they cried out to Peter and the apostles, What do we need to do? That happened to me 44 years ago. That was a long time ago. But I want you to know that that moment when it happened to me is etched in my mind. I will never forget it. It's planted there. It's one of those things I just never will forget. I'll never forget the moment that I'll, I, I was standing there at the front of the church and my wife walked down that aisle and, and I was able to take her hand and and say, I do. I'll always remember that. I'll always remember every one of our children's births. That, that moment of each and every one of them is etched in my mind. I can remember that there are things in your life history that are etched permanently in your mind you remember them well if you're a christian one of the things that you remember is the moment you were saved because you could not be saved apart from the holy spirit's conviction when it happened to me i was only 9 years old i hadn't done a lot of horrible things i hadn't done a lot of terrible moral things And yet, that morning, for the first time in my life, I realized that I was the one who nailed Jesus to the cross. I realized that I was the reason that he had to die there. I realized that God was a holy God, and I was a sinful young boy. And I realized my only hope was the forgiveness of God. And that Sunday morning, convicted of my sin... When the invitation was given, I went forward. I didn't wait on anyone else. I didn't look around. I didn't see what everybody else was going to do. I went forward and said, what do I need to do to be saved? Why did I do that? I did that because the Holy Spirit was convicting me. And I've just got to tell you, that morning... With tears flowing out of my eyes and down my face and and onto the floor, I asked Jesus to forgive me and save me. And something supernatural happened that day. It was supernatural. It was otherworldly. I can't explain it completely. It wasn't just me making a decision to turn over a new leaf or to live differently. No, there was something supernatural. And it began when for the very first time I was convicted of my sin. And you need to understand, I was in church every Sunday, not just Sunday morning, every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, every Wednesday night. I was there. I Heard the Bible read. I heard the Bible taught. I knew the verses. So it wasn't a matter of this being the very first time I had heard it. But this was the very first time that the Holy Spirit convicted me of my guilt before a holy God. And understand, when we're saved, when we're a child of God, it's not just a matter of us being convicted one time and us admitting our guilt before God. No, no. When when we're saved and the Holy Spirit is living in us, He continues to do that work. Every time we sin as a Christian, the Holy Spirit convicts us of our sin. You say, how do you know that? I know it because the Bible teaches it. I know it from personal experience. When I sin... I can't get. I, I. I. I can't hide it. I can't cover it up. The Holy Spirit makes me miserable, and I have to cry out to God and say, "God, forgive me." It, it may be a horrific act. It may be a terrible thought. It may be a hateful word. But whenever I do it, man, the Holy Spirit convicts me most often immediately. Sometimes. After a period of time. But every time, the Holy Spirit convicts me. And so my question for you this morning before we go on is this. Is the Holy Spirit working in your life? Has He convicted you of your sin and your need for a Savior? Is He regularly convicting you when you disobey God, when you willfully go against God's perfect will? When the Holy Spirit is living in our life, He convicts us of our sin. But second, when the Holy Spirit is living in us, He reveals that Jesus is Lord. John said this in 1 John 4, verses 2 and 3. He said, this is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, but every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. Now, Jesus said it this way. He said, when the counselor comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, and the counselor is the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And so Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes, what he will do once he convicts you of your sin, your need for righteousness, and that a judgment is coming, the next thing he will do is he will testify of me. The Holy Spirit's desire is never to bring glory to himself, even though the Holy Spirit is a part of the triune God. The Holy Spirit's intent is always to testify and bring glory to Jesus Christ, who is the savior of a sinful world. You see, just because we've been convicted of our sins and confessed those sins doesn't mean we've been born again. We must come to that point that we acknowledge that only Jesus can take away our sins. John said, if the Holy Spirit is living in us, we acknowledge that Jesus has come in the flesh. Now, I mean, he expands this a little bit later because some may say, well, well so if, if a person says, well, I believe Jesus was a real person, then does that mean that they're saved? No, John expands on this in verses 13 through 15. This is what he says. He says, we know that we live in Him and He in us because He has given us His Spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in Him and He in God. And so it's not just a matter of acknowledging that Jesus was a man who lived on this earth, is acknowledging that Jesus is the Savior of the world, the Son of God. You see, once the Holy Spirit has convicted us of our sin, He will reveal that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one can come to the Father except through Him. John said in chapter 3, verse 23, No one who denies the Son... Has the Father. Whoever acknowledges his Son has the Father. Don't miss that. John says no one. Jesus is not one of many ways. Jesus is not the best way. Jesus is the only way that sinful man can be reconciled to a holy God. And you may say, well, I've met some really good people out there. What about them? No one. No one who denies the Son knows the Father. What about those people all around the world who haven't had the opportunity to hear about Jesus? No one who denies the Son knows the Father. That's crystal clear. And so my question is this. Have you come to the realization that Jesus is the unique Son of God The only Savior of the world who died on the cross, shed His blood as the payment for your sins. You see, the Holy Spirit is the one who reveals that truth. So when the Holy Spirit is living in us, He convicts of sin. He reveals that Jesus is the Lord, the one and only hope of the world. And then third, when the Holy Spirit lives in us, He empowers us. To live a victorious life. Listen to what John said in chapter 4, verse 4. He said, You, dear children, are from God and you have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. And don't miss what John says here. He says, The one who is in you, the one who is in us, is greater than the one who is in the world. He's speaking to believers. It says, the one who was in you, the Holy Spirit, is greater than the one who is in the world, our enemy, Satan himself. You see, you and I don't have the power to defeat the enemy on our own. But when the Holy Spirit comes to live in us, his power comes to live in us. The Holy Spirit is to the believer like spinach is to Popeye. How many of you remember Popeye? I mean, Popeye would be sitting there and he'd be fighting one of those big old brutes and he'd get beaten and he would pull out his can of spinach and he would pop open that can of spinach and it would go down and then all of a sudden, something happened. That supernatural power of spinach took over and Popeye defeated the enemy. And that's what happens when the Holy Spirit comes to live in us. That's why... We as believers not only have the desire, but we now have the power to say no to sin and yes to godliness. And understand, it's not a matter of our willpower. It's a matter of the Spirit's power in us. You see, that's the problem of a lot of people. They believe in in this self-help philosophy. And and I would even dare say self-help theology. This 12-step program that, that if I do this, 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 and this, I can have victory. And understand, there's a lot of things that you can will in your life and for your life. You can will the power to quit doing certain things. And you can will the power to start doing other things. But hear my heart. You will never will the power to have total victory over sin in this life. But His power, living in us and flowing through us, can give us the victory. Paul said it this way in Romans 8. He said, you, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God is in you. You see, Paul said that every man, every woman, every boy, every girl is either controlled by the Holy Spirit... Or by the sinful nature. Paul says that when we are saved, the Holy Spirit comes to live in us. And from that moment on, we should be controlled by His Spirit. Now, how do we know if we're controlled by the Spirit? Well, we know that by the fruit we produce. If I am controlled by the Spirit then there will be fruit in my life that will be produced that gives evidence of the fact that the Holy Spirit is in control. Paul said it this way in Galatians 5. He said, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. He said, "When, when God's Spirit is in you, controlling you, then the evidence of that will be the attributes, the fruit of the Holy Spirit of God. When God's Spirit comes to live in you, that fruit is planted. Now, it's not always seen perfectly. You know that. I know that. We know that from experience, don't we? I mean, if that fruit was always seen perfectly in our lives, if we're saved, then none of us would be saved here. Because I'm here to tell you, none of us perfectly exemplify those nine fruit of the Spirit each and every day. And yet it's there. It's in us. Sometimes it's below the surface. It's growing. It's maturing. But one day, some days, there is evidence of it. It is seen Clearly. But here's what I know. I know this beyond a shadow of a doubt. When we're saved, that fruit of the Spirit, love, believers are going to want to love. Joy, believers are going to know that joy doesn't come from the things of this world. Peace, believers can have a supernatural peace that passes our ability to understand patience, the ability to... To go on with people that sometimes are hard to go on with. And we could go on and on. The Holy Spirit gives that to us. So the Holy Spirit empowers us to live a victorious Christian life. But there's one final work of the Holy Spirit and that's this. The Holy Spirit teaches us and guides us as we walk through life. I want you to look at verse 1. It's not on your note sheet, but verse 1 of chapter 4. In verse 1, Paul or John says this. He said, Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are of God. And then beginning in verse 5, John says this. He said, They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world and the world listens to them. We're from God and whoever knows God listens to us, but whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. Have you ever heard someone say something like this? Well, God told me, fill in the blank. God wants me to fill in the blank. Have you ever heard anyone tell you that? Sometimes people tell us that, and, and immediately our spirit testifies with their spirit and god 's spirit. yes, that would be what God wants, but there are other times that people people credit God with a whole lot of crazy stuff. Would you agree? I, I mean, if God told me to, to leave my spouse, he did, wow. Strange, because right here he said something else. Practically, you're working, got four small kids, you don't like your job, and you go in one day and quit without another job on the horizon. You say, God told me to quit my job. Well, let me tell you how I'm going to respond to that. I, I can't argue that with you, but I can say that God's word says if a man does not work, he's not going to eat. And the Bible says that if a man doesn't care for his own family, he's worse than an infidel. And so I, I can say on the authority of God's word that that if you don't have a backup plan and you don't have an ability to, to take care of your family and you don't have a job that that comes on the horizon soon enough to pay your bills and take care of your family, God didn't tell you to quit your job. You see, sometimes we say things about God that just absolutely make no sense. Now, here's what you need to understand. The Bible teaches that God does speak to us through His Spirit. He does. And I think, with all my heart, The reason that many of us do not hear the Spirit's voice communicating with our spirit more often is because we don't get quiet and away from the noise of the world so that we can hear the Spirit of God speaking. Because we're hearing all the other voices out there. We're hearing all of the noise and when we're hearing all of the noise... It's difficult to hear the voice of God. That's why we see Jesus over and over and over withdrawing to a solitary place, a quiet place, and a lone place, so that he could get away from the hustle and bustle and the noise and the voices of the world and he could hear from God. So God does speak. Jesus said it this way in John fourteen twenty six. He said, but the counselor of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. That blows me away. Because, because he said, the Holy Spirit will teach you. The Holy Spirit will show you everything you need to know. In in chapter 16 of John, Jesus said, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. You see, I believe that when a person is saved, the Holy Spirit begins to teach them and reveal to them God's word and God's will, God's way. I mean, even when they are, are spiritually illiterate, I believe that the Holy Spirit does that. I really do. You say, why? Let me give you one example. A couple that, that got saved and, and uh, through through our ministry years ago. I was sitting down with this couple who, who both of them came from, from non-church backgrounds. Both of them were for lack of a better way to put it, they were pagans. They didn't have any knowledge of God's word. They'd been living together for several years but both of them got miraculously slaved, They really did but but they were still living together. I mean, they didn't know any better. One of them had a mom and dad that were living together. that weren't married. And so that was the example they were following. But after they got saved, I sat down with them shortly after they got saved. And, and we just, I said, I, I, I just want to go over God's word with you on an issue because, you know, y'all are living together. And well, let's just see what God has to say about that. And we we started in the Old Testament and went to the teachings of Jesus and went through Paul's letters and ended in Hebrews, all that it said about about sex and marriage and the relationship between a man and a woman. And and I said to this brand-new Christian couple who had been living together for three years, in light of what God says, what, what do you need to do? And the guy spoke up before I could almost even stop speaking and said, well, I need to move out. He got saved. His wife that he married six months later after they had lived apart for six months, she got saved. They got it. How do I know? Because God's Spirit was testifying with their spirit on what they needed to do, how they needed to live, what was right, and what was wrong. Now, and you say, Rocky, if if God's Spirit teaches a person, how, how do we know that what God... What they're hearing is coming from God. Well, John said this in verse 1. He said, test the spirits to see whether they're of God because there are many false prophets out in the world and there are many spirits out there. And so John says we need to test the spirit. So how do we test the spirit to see whether what we're hearing in our mind, what we're hearing in our heart, what we're thinking in our spirit comes from God? How do we know? We test it by the word of God. Because God's not going to contradict Himself. If God says one thing in His Word, then His Spirit is going to tell you the exact thing in your spirit. He's not going to contradict Himself. So John says, test the Spirit to see whether it's from God. And so when we're saved, the Holy Spirit of God will begin to teach us and guide us into all truth. That, that's why I believe with all my heart. When a person's saved and, and there, there is a clear sin in their life that, that they don't want to deal with. Then their salvation is suspect. It's suspect. Because the Holy Spirit will begin immediately testifying with our spirit on what is right and what is wrong. And so when the Holy Spirit comes into our life, he convicts of sin. He reveals who Jesus is. He empowers us to live a victorious life. He begins to teach us and guide us how to live the life God wants us to live. But when does that happen? Well, the Bible says that all this happens the moment we're saved through, through something Jesus called being born again. Because Jesus said you can't enter the kingdom of God unless you're born again. And He said, the way you're born again is that the Spirit gives birth to the Spirit. And then, in chapter 3, John explains, or Jesus explains this. Listen to what Jesus said. He said, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. You see, we cannot see the wind But we can see the effects of the wind. We can experience the power of the wind. We can know when the wind is present and we can know when the wind is absent. The same is true with the Holy Spirit of God when He comes into our life. We cannot see Him, but we know He is there by what He does by the power He manifests in our lives, by how He changes us and makes us brand new. And and so let me ask you a question. Can you point to a time when the Holy Spirit of God came into your life? Now, though there may be a number of circumstances that led you to the realization of your need for Christ, the Bible says that the new birth is a moment in time experience there is a moment in time when god's spirit comes to take up residence in your life and begin to empower you to live the life that god wants you to live god said this through the prophet ezekiel he said i will give you a new heart and i will put a new spirit in you i will remove from you your heart of stone I will give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. You see, when the Holy Spirit comes to live in us, he will make us aware of our sin he will cause us to want to obey the Lord. He will take away our love for the world. He will give us victory over sin. He will give us a supernatural love for others. He, he will, we will see him living in us by the way we exalt Jesus with our life, by urging others to follow them with all their heart. And so my question to you this morning is this. Is the Holy Spirit living in you? Can you go back to a moment in time when you can say something happened that was not natural? was supernatural. Yes, I acknowledged my sin. Yes, I surrendered to Jesus. But at that moment, my life was forever changed. It's not that It's not that I never blew it and never messed up. It's not that I never failed. It's not that I didn't have setbacks. But at that moment, my life was forever changed. Do you know there's been a point like that? I want you to bow your heads. Close your eyes. If you're here this morning and you're sure That the Holy Spirit is living in you. If you're sure that God's Spirit has taken up residence in your life. You know that beyond a shadow of a doubt. I want you with your heads bowed, your eyes closed. I want you to raise your hands right now. Keep your hands raised for just a moment. Amen. Amen. Put them down. All over this room, hands were raised, and that is a wonderful thing. But the truth of the matter is, not every hand was raised. There were hands that weren't raised. And so if you're here and you didn't raise your hand, you don't know that there's been a point in time when the Holy Spirit has made you new. Then I want you to look at me right now. If you're here, if you, if you know that you're saved, you keep your heads bowed, you keep your eyes closed. But if you're here and, and you couldn't raise your hand, I want you to look at me for just a moment. I want us to make eye contact. Because I want you to know that there is a God in heaven that loves you. And cares for you more than you will ever know. He created you. He loves you with an everlasting love even when you sinned against Him. And He has loved you so much that He has provided a Redeemer, a Savior for you. And if you will humble yourself before Him, trust what He did to provide your salvation and invite Him into your life because God will not He will not come into your life apart from your desire. So if you will invite him in, he'll come in and he'll save you. And his Holy Spirit will come into your life. The Apostle Paul said this. He said, having believed, you were marked in him with a seal. The promised Holy Spirit who is is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. Paul said that when we're saved and believed, the Holy Spirit comes to live in us as a deposit guaranteeing our salvation. And so if you're here and you don't know that the Spirit of God is living in you, guaranteeing your salvation, then I want to encourage you today to humble yourself before God by praying this prayer with all your heart. Dear God, I know I'm a sinner I've disobeyed you. Please forgive me. I'm so sorry. I don't want to live that way anymore. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I believe that Jesus rose from the dead, defeating sin and death. Right here, I'm giving my life to Jesus. Come into my heart, come into my life, fill me with your Holy Spirit, take control. From this moment on, I want to live for you, Jesus. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen.